Let's go, folks. Time for the Gibby Show. How you doing, baseball fans? And welcome to another edition of the Gibby Show, your weekly podcast covering the game that we love, Major League Baseball. And we're here at one of the most beloved personalities in all of baseball, the two-time former two-time manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, the baseball lifer, the upcoming author, wearing his Budweiser shirt today, direct from San Antonio, Texas, Mr. John Gibbons. How are you, John? Johnny, I'm hey, I'm good, man. I'm looking forward to the show like I always am. It's good to see your beautiful smiling face. You're right, well, same Budweiser. Here, that Budweiser get on there, man. That looks good, you know. Well, you should be wearing one of these. Oh, <laughs> your morning you... Uh, but yeah i mean things are going good down in texas for you john uh you know it's a weather's good it's a little chilly yeah ready for the winter and thanksgiving yeah you know what though i I, you know this this time of year is kind of kind of cool as you watch teams and what they what they're going to do the transactions during the offseason but you miss the actual game being played you know it's uh you know, it's a baseball such a long season, and you get in that groove, man, a day to day. You know, you might miss a day or two, but then you pick right back up, and it's it's such a long grind. But when it's over, it's like something's missing from your life. You know, I know Very some true. people love the NFL, but there's still nothing like Major League Baseball. No, I'm having you know withdrawals. I really am. It's it, and it wasn't for this podcast, and and I cover you know I every day I'm reading up about what's going on and listening to podcasts, uh, but. Uh, it's uh, the hot stove league. And, and right now, I mean, what we're going to cover on today's episode is the beginning of that baseball free agent season. Teams positioning themselves uh, to improve themselves to 2023. And the Blue Jays figuring to be right in that mix. So we'll go over uh, the Jays not offering a qualifying offer to one of their most prominent free agents and if they should trade one of their catchers. Uh, also going on in baseball, uh, Pete Rose is in the news again. So we'll go over what's going on with Pete. In our Gabbing with Gibby segment, John, uh, you've done it again. We bring on one of Toronto's all-time legends, Vernon Wells, with us. And then we will answer your questions in the Ask Gibby segment, brought to you by Budweiser, the fans uh, who ask questions that we answer here on this podcast will receive a gift package from Budweiser because that's what Buds do. Is that shirt part of the gift package that the uh, lucky winners are going to get or the lucky people we select? Well, I don't know. I don't know. That's that's a good question. I don't think so, but uh, I'm sure you just got that in, included right there. I, I know you get yeah. a I know you get a baseball, a little signed autographed baseball of mine, oh, whether really? you want it or not. And I, nice. I don't know what else is packaged, but this would look nice in that package. Yeah, yeah. Well, we uh, we have but those. I'm gonna buy questions. my own for crying out loud. Yeah. Well, you're looking good there with the Bud T-shirt on, the Budweiser T-shirt, and. Uh, uh, and uh, why don't we go to the leadoff? Because there's a lot going on, uh, and the Blue Jays are right uh, uh, up there in the in the mix with some pretty big stories that are starting to break a little bit. Uh, you know, an interesting thing they chose not to extend the qualifying offer uh, this week to uh, their highest profile free agent, Ross Stripling. Uh, they decided against giving him that offer, which is really very robust these days it's 19.65 million for the qualifying offer uh which allows him to now go into the open market without a compensation pick attached uh so uh, stripling could still return to toronto but the jays will not get a draft pick if he signs elsewhere uh what do you think about uh, what's going on with ross because he really stepped up and now no qualifying offer they're just going to kind of let it ride and see what happens with him yeah, you know, Johnny, it's it's really hard to get inside, you know, unless you're in that 
real tight inner circle and what they're thinking is there. Uh, other than maybe I was thinking maybe Stripling, you know, he's, you know, he had the, he had the big year this year. He had some, he had some good solid years with the Dodgers, but really everything really kind of came together this year. So he's in the driver's seat, right? Maybe they think that's just too, too much of a price to pay, you know, for one year, maybe they'll try to resign him for, you know, multi-year deal. I, I really couldn't tell you on that. Um, but the big thing is, if he does go elsewhere, which there be teams bidding on him, you know, you lose out on that compensation pick, and right. uh, you know, so I know they have their budgets and whether he fits, you know, that's twenty nineteen, whatever it is, twenty twenty million bucks. That's that's a lot of money, but but in today's game, you know, when you're looking for starting pitching, it's a small price to pay, um, you know. So so we'll see. You never really know for sure. No, it, what, you know, it's not like Stripley's been that guy for the last four or five years. He's just been, he just really kind of, kind of. A well, he stepped right up away. in 2022. I mean, he stepped up big time. Yes, after, they need after it. After I mean, he they did Rayu. Yeah, they need, they need him, or they need somebody, uh, you know, that can can do some pretty good, a pretty good body of work like he, like he did. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, they've also been in the news with uh, the rumor mill, uh, according to Sportsnet's uh, Ben Nicholson. Smith, the Blue Jays have interest in signing left-handed pitcher Andrew Heaney, and was wondering if you heard about that, and uh, and uh, that's kind of a hot and heavy rumor right now. Yeah, that's so that may be part of the uh, Stripling deal. You know, we're not going to sign yeah. him; we're going to bring Heaney in. Uh, it's and he was in the know, mix last year, wasn't he? Kind of bantered around last year about coming in. They were trying. Yeah, to get you know, him last year. Yeah, yeah, you, you hear you hear that name tossed around a lot. Uh, bottom line is, though, I don't care who you are. If you don't have starting pitching, you got no shot, right? Yeah. And, and uh, so, if you're if you're a team that has a legitimate shot, which the Blue Jays do, you got you know you got to step up and you got to sign those guys. And hey, they got the, the the ownership. They got money. They got money to do that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. But they, I don't think they can go through this offseason and not make a big splash. Is with a starting pitcher and upgrading their bullpen a little bit. I mean, they're good. They're they're really good as they are right now. But to get to that elite level, elite level like you watch the Astros and, and the, some of those teams, you got to do it. You think they they may have a uh, or go after uh, uh, Rodon? You know, it, elite would bring in, but anything's possible. Yeah, I, I would. Why wouldn't you? You know, I mean, if you really, uh, you know, it comes to certain. Point every team's, uh, you know, I mean, teams go through, franchises go like this, right? You know, they'll they'll stay on top for a while, and then they, you know, naturally then they'll sell off and rebuild, what have you. They're kind of in that position right now. They got here, you know, a crazy exit to the postseason that nobody expected. So they're, they're right here, and what you, what you battle is, you know, I know you have some financial restraints, but your fan base are going, hey, let's go. You know what? We've stepped up. Mm-hmm. Show us that you're serious about it, right? So a guy like like you say, Rondon, if he's the best guy or one of the top guys out there, you know, sometimes you have to sacrifice because we, everybody's seen. I saw firsthand what winning in Toronto does, right? Yeah. You know that. I mean, they start rolling in the dough. You know, people come out. It's it's incredible because you have one team in one country. So, you know, sometimes you, you gotta you gotta roll the dice and gamble, and uh, you gotta bring in your best players. The fans for them, I mean, they want uh, they want the big names, the big stars. You know, they don't yeah. understand sometimes what the budget is. They just know that the teams are all making money. 
So this is really a pretty anxious time for the fans, uh, not only in Toronto, but throughout baseball. And like, who's going to, who are they going to get? Who's going to leave? I mean, uh, the Mets are going through that right now with DeGrom and Bassett and Taiwan Walker. I mean, the, the Mets pitching staff is decimated, but it's happening everywhere. But this is the most exciting time to me in baseball before spring training, obviously, is like what's going to happen in the free agent market. And another rumor that kind of circulated this week, which was kind of an interesting one, was a possibility of a trade between the Braves and uh, the Blue Jays. Uh, maybe uh, it's kind of pure speculation, but I like to cover rumors just to get your take on them. Uh, Bo Bichette uh, being sent to the Braves uh, for uh, Acuna. That was an interesting one that was brought up in the media this week. Yeah, you know, I did. I saw, I saw glimpses of that. I would kind of be shocked by that. Um, yeah. To tell you the truth, you know, you get a, a Acuna down there, you know, a young star. He's actually, you know, he's 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 you know he's, he's he's making a lot of money, but he's, you know, he's still a young kid, and he's who knows how good he's gonna gonna be, right? Bo Bichette, the same the same man, Bo, you know, Bo's off to a tremendous start in his career. Yes, and the sky's the limit, but yet he's he hasn't he doesn't have that big contract, you know, so there's, right, you know, I'm sure. Yeah, a lot I mean, of that uh, goes they were saying that. they were saying Acuna could be, you know, could get upset if Dansby Swanson. Uh, signs a contract with a higher average annual value than a hundred million. So, I mean, when does it end? Yeah, but come on. I mean, somebody gets upset because your teammate gets a little more than you do, and you're making a lot of money. You know, sooner or later, if you're a team player, let's go. You know what? You sign these yeah. deals when you yes. had them. Yeah. You know, the market dictates that this the following year or two later, this you know, there's more money out. This guy's going to get that. You know what? So what? Otherwise, fire your agent for not getting you a better deal. Right. Hey, look what happened in New York. Scherzer signs for 42 mil. DeGrom opts out of his deal the last year. He was getting 32. Now he wants to get paid more than Scherzer, no matter who brings him in. And I'm like, and the guy has pitched uh, <laughs> very sporadically over the last few years. Yeah, you know, and John, if, if that's your priority, if that's if that's that's that is bothering you that this guy's making a little bit more. And you're, when you're talking about the scale and all the money they're making, each of those guys are making anyway, I think your priority is a little bit off. You know, it's, it's, it, mm -hmm. it, people call your bluff. Is it really about winning now or are you just worried about this or that? So I have a problem with some of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just there's so much money out there and it gets ridiculous when you hear these rumors and stories and why guys opt out and what they're looking for. Uh, but another I tell you what, I would take Bo, I would take Bo Bichette any day of the week. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. I guarantee he's a team guy. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah. Great move. Yeah. Al if Alex, if Alex, if Alex Anthopoulos down there in Atlanta is thinking that and they'll do it, do it, do it. Wow. Wouldn't that, that would rattle a lot of feathers in, uh, in, in, in Canada and here in the States for sure. I mean, that would be a major, major trade. Uh, baseball winter meetings coming up. So I'm sure that there'll be a lot of rumors before them. But one of the other things I want to discuss about the Blue Jays is the, the log jam at in the catching position. There's uh, a lot of speculation that one of these three guys for the Blue Jays is going to be moved in a trade because you got three, three catchers that are really major league level. Now the rookie, uh, Gabriel Morano or Marino, he's 22 years old. And then you have uh, Alejandro Kirk and then you have Danny Jansen. So it's kind of a crowded field right now. Do you think uh, that there's going to be a move when one of these guys is going to go? And and who do you think it's going to be? 
Well, it's kind of they almost have to in a way, you know, because Moreno he's kind of forcing his hand. He's that he's ready, yeah. and he's been up and he's had some success. And uh, you know, Kirk had a tremendous year, and Danny Jansen's really, I think he's the most elite defender, and he's turning into a pretty good offensive threat himself. Yeah, you know, very few teams have this uh, have that luxury, uh, and it's probably kind of it's hard to carry. It would be hard to carry. You know, three catchers, unless you're going to use one of them as a DH, which they could do, I guess. But uh, if I if I was to, if I was to guess if if they definitely going to do it, I would say they probably you know uh, trade Danny Jansen. Number one, you know he's he's you know his uh, service time. He's he's got the most service time. He's got two so years remaining before he uh, under team control, so that could be a factor. Right. Oh yeah, that will and that matters. You know, they're all, all three of them are really good. Uh, you know, then they'd have Moreno under control for you know a lot. Six uh, years, six years yeah. for him, and and Kirk four years under team control. So yeah, so that that, 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 that comes back into the mix now, doesn't it, John? It's like when you're looking to move a guy or possibly trade somebody or keep him. It's really interesting that now teams look at how many more years of control do we have over this guy. Yeah. Now, now I. I you know, I get, I get that if you have like even players or you view them as like these guys are, you know, it's a, it's a flip of a coin. They're both so good. If you have one, there's a, some uh, disparity in their talent wise. I have a problem with that if you keep the get lesser talent because he's got more years, you know, because. But I would say, and another, I think a very important thing here, people don't always realize of the three catchers, Danny Jansen was not drafted by this regime. You know, and, and and you may think that's all BS, but that that, that factors in sometimes. You it's know, a because, good point. You know, so obviously they may like this guy or that guy better because they drafted him. And, and uh, so, just a little small note. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, in the game, good problem to have though. It good is problem three to have catchers, three quality you got, catchers. You got some teams out there's got they have zero catching. You know, they're 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 uh, they're dying to find a backup. Uh, and finally, on our on our um, leadoff segment, Pete Rose. 81 years old, writes a letter to Commissioner uh, Rob Manfred asking for another chance at the Hall of Fame. A lot of, just a lot of back and forth on this and either on one side or the other. I think Rose should be a Hall of Famer. What's your opinion, John? Yeah, I, I do too. You know, uh, I, I understand he you know, he broke the gambling rules. And every spring training, you know, they – Every team, they, they get a, vi- a visit from the Major League Baseball offices and security and all that. And they go around and they have this big poster they put that's put in every clubhouse in, in baseball, the gambling rules and things like that. And somebody has to read it out so the team hears it. So there's clearly, you know, everybody knows what what the law is, what it, how it works. You know, but now you look at gambling's involved in baseball. It's been They've kind of loosened the purse strings on that. But what he did was absolutely wrong. But I, my feeling is – I'd put him in the Hall of Fame because he's a he's a hit king, right? He's got more hits than anybody in the history of the game. Yeah. Put an asterisk, ask, put an asterisk up there saying, you know, he was found put guilty of this. Because there's a lot of guys that are, are probably your most moral, morally upstanding characters in there. And there's guys in there, you know, they can you can see these guys that uh, accuse of steroids or they've known steroids, they're not getting in. But I guarantee you there's a there's some that have been put in that were steroid users. Maybe the, the media or somebody else liked them a little more than the other guys. Yeah. That's a known fact. So, so the only way, you know, if, if somebody's under suspicion, Barry Bonds or whoever you want, put an asterisk by there too because he accomplished too much. And so, so you know, these young kids and families go watch and they, they see that asterisk and they read it. You know, it's, it's a numbers game anyway, right? Yeah. 
And uh, Rosa certainly uh, has made every effort to come back, and uh, he's trying one last time, I guess, and we'll see what happens with that. But that's what's going on in, in the leadoff segment. And now we're going to go to another Gabbing with Gibby. All right. Good one, too. Another first-class kid right here. He's not a kid anymore. He was a kid when I had him. He ain't a kid anymore. Now it's time for another Gabbing with Gibby segment. Today we are happy to bring on someone who is a legendary player for the Toronto Blue Jays, playing 12 seasons for Toronto from 1999 to 2010, hitting 280, 270 home runs, 90 steals. Vernon Wells. Vernon, welcome to Gabbing with Gibby. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Hey, is that a perfect, is that a perfect segment name right there, Gabbing Gavin with Gibby? That makes a lot of sense. I mean, we had we had we had many different times of Gavin with Gibby uh, over our years. So yes, it, it's fitting. You know, it's funny, Vernon. Everybody tells me all the time, nobody can understand what I'm saying. I said, "That's see, that's perfect. See, if you if if they can't understand what you're saying, you keep them guessing. You never, you know, you always keep everybody on their toes, right?" Oh, they they act like you're Orlando Hudson. You can you can understand what Orlando. Oh! Hudson. <laughs> you're different. I don't know, man. Oh, that's funny. Well, I got to say this, you know, uh, you know, I mean, I got the chance to manage in Toronto for a number of years and, and got, got to manage some great players and, and Vern's right, right, Vern's right at the top. And, and I don't mean that just from a, uh, a, a player standpoint, right. That, uh, was just a great player. You know, he encompassed it all, you know, just a good dude, uh, a great role model, a great, uh, face of the franchise, great family man, all those things. So it's kind of, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's a little more here than just, you know, bringing on a great player. And, and uh, uh, it's, it's, uh, it was, it was a treat, put it that way, to, to get a chance to manage you. And, and uh, we're glad you came back on our show. Okay. How about this way? I'm trying to make a living doing this crap now. Did you ever figure that? Come on. <laughs> no, I didn't see you doing the podcast like. <laughs> not, not, not back in our day. I mean, I think that's, that's something that people don't understand is, like you said, like there's so much that goes into just playing baseball. Uh, so many different factors that go into it. And to be honest, you made it easy. Like that was your rules were, were fairly easy. Be on time, play hard, and won't have any issues. Um, and if if you if you screwed up, then yes, you were going to hear about it. Oh, 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 was I that bad? Was I bad? Was I? I wasn't a whiner, was I? Whiner? No. Was I a pit, nit, let, nitpicker? A nitpicker? No, you just let you, you just let people know when they weren't doing stuff the correct way, which was the way it should be. Hold people accountable. Like that was that was who you were, and you you made no bones about it, and guys respected it. And if they didn't. That means they probably didn't like being held accountable. It's that it's that easy. Well, hey, did Vern, you ever, I feel, you ever feel the wrath of Gibby, Vernon? Vern? The wrath no. of Gibby? No, no, I never had. I never had to like. I talk about managers, and I had several several of them. Um, and I always say Gibby was my favorite because Gibby would communicate with you. Like when I was struggling, he called me in his office and he's like, "What do you want to do? You want to lead off? You want to hit fifth? You want to hit six? What do you want to do?" Like trying to figure out ways to to get me out of whatever I was going to, as opposed to just moving me and not saying anything. Like that's that's the way a manager should operate. And I tried to tell Anthopolis. After after you were gone the first time, and then he was let after Cito was leaving, who he needed to, who who should have been the manager? And I said it should have been you immediately. Um, but they went with John Farrell, whatever, blah blah blah. But it ended up correcting itself. 
Hey, Vern, well, see, he listened to you just a little bit delayed. He, he, he couldn't eat he couldn't eat that much humble pie. You know, he had to kind of just kind of, I'll be done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alex couldn't let me be right. Why would he let me be right? It's, oh, <laughs> oh that's so funny. You know, and, and uh, you know, we talk about lineups and things like that and, and changing. That was kind of like a- analytics before analytics was even around, right? Oh, my goodness. What do you think of like, the game? What do you think? What do you think of the state of the game right now, honestly? It's hard. It's it's hard to watch. It's hard to understand kind of what's being taught. Like back then, we people don't understand. Like analytics have always been a part of the game. We've always had information. Like, right. That's, that's that's always been there. It's just how we use the information to make make necessary changes while we're on the field. But those numbers and those that they can't dictate what takes place on a daily basis. Like you you got to have guys that can play the game that know the game. And use that information just to help them be better, which is that's that's all it takes. But now it seems like we're getting to the point where the numbers dictate what goes on during the during a baseball game. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like they they've taken the human elements just completely, you know, out of the thing. And, and you know, even you watch, uh, I guess what I, I hate seeing in, in the you watch these games now, like every you know, once you get you know, if you're lucky if a starter goes five innings. You know, if, if right. I if I'm an owner and I pay somebody a a starting pitcher, a huge contract. He can only go four or five innings. I'm going, uh, you know, what do we just do here? You know? Yeah. And, and uh, but it's, yeah, but it's like, here comes a new pitcher every inning, every inning. It's, it's almost like, you know, there's, there's no, uh, I guess no feel really, you know, or each night's different, you know, one night this guy's good. The next night it's almost like, like you said, and a number is going to dictate everything we do that night. And I think, I think it has cost some teams. I think it's, you, you really, you really get to see it in the postseason. Mm-hmm. And I think it's cost some teams, you know, well, you especially, know, what I are mean, you going to do? You know, you hey, you know, Kevin Cash, you remember Kevin Cash and against the Dodgers in the world series. Oh and, yeah. I mean, making a decision based off of, okay, well, it's our third time through. So we got to take Snell out and Snell's been dominating him. And, but you don't understand what people don't understand. It's like, it and coming up in that lineup, and I happen to be at that game, and it's it's Corey Seager and Mookie Betts are coming up, and Cash goes out to the mound. I'm thinking, do not take him out. And I'm looking, I'm looking at those two. I happen to be sitting above the on deck circle. And I'm looking at those two talking, and they're like, and they're they're talking to themselves. They're like, are they taking him out? And as soon as they took him out, you could see this sigh of relief over their faces, and then all of a sudden, hits, 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 hits. Like it's just feel, feel of the game. Yeah, and I think he, I think he had punched up both of those guys. Oh yeah, they had, they had come close. They looked ugly. They they didn't want to see him again. Yeah, you know, and, and Vern, I've said many times to people, it's like because I've I've done some, you know, I've done some stu- made some stupid pitching changes, right? But and it's as you're walking out to the mound, it's almost like you can look over their dugout and you see those guys going. Hey, thank you very much. What are you doing, idiot? Yeah. You know, exactly. and sure, it changes like. We're not sniffing this guy. I don't care if he's got 120 pitches. He's tired. He's got us tonight, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. You know that, uh, that that's where the game's changed. And you know, there's another one too. Okay, there, there was there's hasn't been a better defender in center field than you, hands down. They're, they're just, I don't I don't think I've ever seen anybody do it easier than you did it. And it, it kind of I've seen many guys you know make diving plays and all that. I've seen guys time it so they can make diving plays. Yeah. But you had that you had that gift, you know. You but it, it just didn't happen. I mean, you you would work every day during BP and all that. In the, but uh, you could get to more balls. 
But we had, I had this debate. We were talking about Alex a while ago, Anthopoulos, and, and a couple of the other front office guys. And it, it was kind of analytics was kind of turning. This was my second go round towards the end that were, you know, the defensive analytics. And that's, that's a big argument. Well, you know, that, how legitimate is that? I, I don't buy any of that when I see some of these guys, right, getting gold gloves and stuff. But it, it, the, the big argument was, well, we're gonna, we, we need to, the analytics say we need to play these uh, the outfielders deeper, right, take away doubles and just give them the, the little crap hits in front, what, it, what have you. And one of my arguments was, I said, you guys got so spoiled watching Vernon Wells play out here. Now you're trying. You're not going. You know. You know. You're not going to find another Vern as well. So we bet maybe analytics needs to help us here or there because Vern <laughs> Vern would go here here. You know he, he's going he's going to run it down. And you guys you guys would be out there. You would trust be trusting your instincts, right? You watch you watch a guy swing if it's fouling the ball mm-hmm. off. You make your adjustment. Yeah. You kind of and and you nowadays, man, they pick out that the card out of the back exactly. pocket and say, "Well, I'm supposed to do this." It's like you know I. I think that, that that's, that's that's I think that's taken away a lot of the fun of the game too, you know. And, and uh, these guys are robots. Yeah. I mean, it's taken away the instinctual side of things. Like, it, what the way we played was the game told us the game dictated like where we needed to be, uh, pitch to pitch. If like you can look at charts and things like that, and this is what he's done his last six games. That's great, but if he hasn't faced this pitcher. Uh, he might be tired. He might be late. He might be early. We don't know, but we know dictate what, what whatever swing he takes or who he's facing. So at that time, like you said, yeah, we would move pitch to pitch. We communicate with each other pitch to pitch. Like, ah, you know what? Let's shade over into this gap as opposed to I'm going to pull this piece of paper out and this set to do this. So I'm going to play there so I don't get in trouble. Like it doesn't make any sense. Do, do this regardless. I don't care what what, the, what he's telling me. I got to do this regardless, you know. But you yeah. did, you made it easy though. Hey, I mean, we got to be honest too. I mean, some of this analytics has, has definitely helped some guys. Mm-hmm. But you were kind of the exception out there too. You know, you could overcome a lot of things that most of these guys can't. You know, so well, I tell people it, it is interesting. Like I tell people, and it's kind of an odd thing, but I could, I had the ability somehow to know where balls were going before they were hit. Like there, were, every now and then, I get a feeling like okay. Knowing situation, pitch count, who's on the mound, who's hitting, um, and as the ball is approaching home plate, I'm almost leaning in that direction because I have a feeling of that's where it's going. So, yeah, I, there was we all have our different natural gifts, and that was defense was one of mine. Right. Well, that's that's why you had that, that kind of career. All right. Hey, I got another thing here. I, I, I was I, I was looking up your some of your stats, right? You know, we talk about the new modern day game, right? Now they give scheduled days off. They get, you know, whatever. Right? <laughs> and this isn't the bass based modern day baseball, but it's kind of, you know, the way it's changed, I don't think necessarily it's for the better. 2000, you had a monster year in 2003. You had so many good years. You really, you really did. You remember that 2003 year? You, you could have won the MVP, right? I mean, there's no well, doubt about it. You should have probably. Go ahead. I can agree. I can agree with that, but I may have been one of the few natural. Um, athletes without any enhanced substance into my body at that time. So I was, it was oh, an uphill yeah. battle, exactly. but I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> exactly. But here, all right, here's what I was like. Okay. How many games in a season? 162? 162. Right? You played 161. Yeah. Okay. Nowadays, nobody's playing 161, you know, and they won't even let them if they wanted to, right? They give me scheduled right. days off. 
you, you had over 700 plate appearances and, what, and, you, and you, you struck out like 80 times. That's it. Nowadays, I go, it's like nobody, nobody cares if anybody strikes out, right? In, yeah. In the, you know, you had, you hit, you hit, uh, I mean, you hit a ton of home runs that year too. And, yeah, I hit 30, 30. But if you go up there swinging for a home run every time, you might have hit 30 more. Who knows? But it's kind of like that's, you know, you get that many plate appearances, you put the ball in play, you score your runs, you know, you're one of the top run scorers in the game. The only thing you didn't do was you cut down on your stolen bases because yeah, I guess you're hitting too many doubles or something. Yeah, but too many, too many doubles. Like, and Delga- Delgado know, was behind me, so I had to leave the hole open. So I got to know uh, all the first basemen really well. Good point. And, uh, good yeah. point. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so it it uh, you know it's it's the the game. I guess you, you you look at those numbers. You went up there. You're going to put the ball in play. Nowadays, you know you ever, I don't know. You watch some of those playoff games, and I know the pitching's good. Sometimes you got to tip your hat. The pitch is really good. Right. Sometimes, right? Yeah. But it's like nobody cares. Guys, guys, want dragging that back deck bat back to the dugout. What what have you? It's like that's so. So when I read those numbers, I look at that and go, you know, and I knew that. You know, you in a, in a over 900 OPS and all that, but the game you played the you play you play the game. You're kind of a modern day guy, but playing it old fashioned too. You know, I mean, you do the you do yeah. the little things. You know, the defense is important to you. Run the great base runner, and you know what? You're going to put the ball in play. You ain't going to whiff. You know, 150, 180 times. You know, and you know. So anyway, I mean, you don't. Hey, man, dude, I, yeah. I couldn't wait to get. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like we don't. You have zero chance if you're striking out. Like at least if you put the ball in play, yeah. something could possibly happen. Like if you put the ball, like let's say, yeah, uh, that many plate appearances, seven hundred plate appearances, whatever it is, this guy's striking out two hundred times. Let's take a hundred out of those and just put the ball in play. And I guarantee you, there could be twenty to thirty to forty hits in there. It's like it doesn't make any sense to me, but analytics says that I'd rather you strike out than hit a double play, assuming I'm going to hit a double play. Like it doesn't, the rationale doesn't make any sense. No, no. So Johnny, what do you got for this guy? Uh, first, I'd like to know, you know, you spent a lot of time with the Blue Jays, obviously. Uh, what's your favorite memory being a Toronto Blue Jay? Oh man. Um, some controversial ones that, that involve that guy right there. Um, Obviously, with Ted, with, with Ted Lilly and Shea Hillenbrand, um, those were those were those were classics. Like the Ted Lilly one for sure, because for some reason our jumbotron people in stadium like had the cameras focused on those two on the mound, and I'm it's almost like watching a movie. So I turn around, and I would always turn around when Gibby would make his make his trips to the mound and just take a look at the jumbotron. It's like I'm watching. So live, just reality television take place uh, in front of me between those two, and it was it was I, I obviously everything that took place after, and I couldn't wait to get in to just find out okay what happened what happened what happened I walk up to Gibby and Gibby's just sitting sitting there normal little bit of spit on his jacket from his from his chewing and I said Gibby you all right man he's like yeah but I'm not good so. Some bitch a lot stronger than I thought he was. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bert, uh, I forget that. Hey, oh, that was, I think Teddy was a free agent that year. And I love Teddy, man. God bless him. But well, I think we gave like an eight nothing lead on Danny Heron, and Heron was dealing that year, you know? 
in the oh my god next thing you yeah. know he walks it well, and he then he dropped that he, no he, I, yeah drop that he dropped down into a knuckleball to chavez like on a three-o count yeah i'm sitting in center field i'm like what is going on right now but yeah we had an eight nothing lead in the second and then ted is messing around and then it all hell broke loose at that point it was awesome oh gosh man <laughs> I don't know if it was one of my finer moments, but, you know, it was enjoyable. It's funny, kind of fun to look back and, and laugh, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. It really yeah. is. Uh, yeah. No doubt about it. I think on yeah. a personal note, like, as far as experiences was um, when Johnny, when John McDonald uh, came back after his father's passing on Father's Day, um, and we're getting blown out, and he gets a chance to get, get up to the plate, hits a home run, and just tears flying everywhere, like, Everybody, everybody became just babies at that point. Just, it was an awesome moment. So personally, that was, that was definitely one of my favorites. That's pretty awesome. Hey, well, you know, the, yeah, the, the people up there, not only Toronto and Canada loved you, you know, and in, in, in the U S too, you know, uh, uh, you, uh, you got anything you want to say to them Canadian fans up there, the Blue Jays fans? They're crazy. Like I didn't realize how crazy, <laughs> I didn't realize how crazy they were like, I mean, I knew it going into it just because, like, Yankees come in town. And I remember AJ, once AJ Burnett was with, with him, and I remember staying on second base, and it felt like the building was shaking with them just just trying to – just getting all over AJ because we were hitting them around. Um, and then I come in as an imposing player for the first time. And being in left field, the stuff that I heard, it was like – I never played for the Blue Jays ever, and I was their worst enemy. And it was like, these people are freaking nuts out here. <laughs> they, thought you, they thought you jumped ship on a man you were a trainer or something, huh? Yeah, like I asked for it. I didn't ask for it. You need to yell at Alex. That wasn't my fault. <laughs> exactly, man. I'm an innocent, you're an innocent bystander. You yeah. know what? Oh, that's, that's a... You know, I got a couple more here. I mean, uh, my, you know, when you look at even your entrepreneurial spirit, and that's kind of part of your legacy with your family. Your dad was a CFL player for Calgary, and uh, he has become, from what I've heard, the most commissioned sports artist ever. I mean, that is an interesting, you know, I looked at some of his work, went on his website. Um, What an incredible body of work and what he does. Can you kind of explain how, uh, you know, your relationship with your dad and the entrepreneurial spirit that he's had and made a, a great living at being a artist uh, in, mm-hmm. in sports and then uh, segueing into kind of something entrepreneurial for you. So I'll get your uh, yeah. comments on your dad and then I have a little entrepreneurial thing for you. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, my dad, like it was, it was something that he was gifted with. It wasn't anything that he had to go to school for went school for communications and was a really good artist. Uh, and when his dream of football ended, he, he did a painting of Steve Largent way back in the day. Uh, Steve loved it, uh, bought it. And then from that point on, that became kind of who he was. So he was, he was in clubhouses when I was, I was nine, 10, 11 years old. He would take me into the clubhouse uh, at the old, Arlington Stadium when the A's would come into town, Ricky Henderson and Dave Stewart and all those guys are in there. Uh, so that it allowed me to kind of be in that atmosphere early and see what life was like just at the big league level. Um, 
and then he's just everybody knows his art like it's it's been amazing to kind of watch yeah. that growth and his ability to make things look lifelike and now he's getting older may not be as sharp um but it's it's, it's amazing <laughs> it's it's amazing what he's able to do with at the time pencil when he Incredible. was incredible yeah now now um yeah basically spray paint what all- with all the sports cards uh, that he, he worked yeah. with, score I believe or early on, and upper deck, uh, upper and deck then just on. to see what he and upper deck, and and just to see what he's done today is pretty incredible. And uh, what a great uh, career he had uh, after sports, and and yourself. I mean, uh, is it true that you got your agent's license now? I do. Yeah, I got it. As, I got it as soon as I was done playing because. I was a player rep when I played, so I knew all the questions that were going to be on the test because I had been studying for that test for 15 years uh, as being part of the union. So I took it just because it was something I knew I, I could have in my back pocket and kind of jumped into the agent game last few years and realized why some agents are talked about as bad as they are because there are some shady dudes out there, man. Like just, I get it. It's your livelihood. It's why... You're in it to make money. I get it. Uh, I'm in it for different reasons. I'm in it to be able to help, help hopefully a young man and his their family achieve what they want to achieve, and know that it's hard and it sucks at times, and the struggle of, of the minor league life, the big league life. Like it's not all rainbows and unicorns. Like it's it's really hard to do, and you're going to find yourself in some dark places at some dark times. And how do you navigate through that process? So that's. That's why I got on this side of it. And the competitiveness between the agents has got to be just like you said, it's in every industry when it comes down to agents and no matter what business you're in, I mean, it can be a little shady sometimes. And there are some guys that are a little bit more, uh, you know, in it for different reasons. I mean, from what you're saying, you know, helping the young ball players and kind of helping guide them rather than just going after the $100 million contract. Well, although that's nice, but uh, just got to commend you for that, trying to help the younger guys. Hey, Bird. Yes. Yeah. Hey, after being on the show, do you, do you think we need an agent after being on the show right here? Is this one going, is this going, <laughs> or everything, everything, I've, everything I've seen on y'all's podcast is hilarious. And, the responses that you guys are getting, like people <laughs> love it. I don't think anybody expected this side of Gibby because they didn't necessarily get to see it as much when when you're managing. No, you, no, you're right. You know what? You know what? And you know, I have. I try to have a little fun. You know, bring kind of. We kind of. You kind of see the way it goes. We kind of bring in a present day player, and then you know, a guy, a retired guy, and then we snuck Alex in there. So, in the we kind of. You know, we're just trying to. You know, ho- hopefully talking get. You know, people have a little fun reminiscing a little bit and things like that. So, oh, yeah. And Gibby's going to be an author soon. His book comes out in April. His you memoir. That? You're writing too? Vern. Like speaking, speaking Vern. I get. Writing? You're writing too? Coloring book. It's a coloring book. Yeah, yeah. Oh, coloring book. <laughs> no, his Picture memoir. Book. It's, called, uh, it's called Gibby Tales <laughs> of a Baseball <laughs> Life. It comes out in April. Yeah. Some guy up in Toronto is writing it for me. So, and I said, what? Really? I said, I'm, I wouldn't even buy it, but he said, let's try it. Yeah. Oh, man. Can you I believe that? Major deal. I want, I want, an, I want. I and I had to quit. Full, yeah. There better be full detail of what took place in that tunnel. 
Oh, I told you I had Teddy, man. I had I had, I had Teddy in a, in a, a headlock, right? And I was trying because Johnny's the rest. I was trying to get up underneath there. He was. He's wiry, strong, stronger than I thought. I was a little bit older, and then he came out of there. And the you know they used to have those gate. You know, Gatorade was a big sponsor then. I don't know if they so the Gatorade towels. You know, so I, so I go sit at the back down the end of the bench, and I'm like hyperventilating. I thought it was gonna my heart was gonna explode, right? <laughs> and so I grab one of those Gatorade towels, and I'm like wiping my face. And, and somebody said they saw, I guess, like, you know, the orange mark on Gatorade, like, you know, that was visible. And they thought it was like a bloody nose. I said, bloody nose. Yeah. I had that guy down there right, right where I wanted him. Gosh. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, I laugh now. We laugh now. But, you know, my mom said she, she got on me a little bit. But. Well, I'm sure she did. Anyway. Hey, I guess. Hey, hey, let me tell you something. You saved. You actually saved me once. I, you know, when, it, uh, when, when Shay and I, you know, uh, had our little problem there. You know, it was kind of, it was kind of, it was a crazy day, chaotic day. You that we played the Yanks, man, right? And then you you walked off Mariano Rivera to save the day. You say, you know what? Remember that? Oh yeah, I I remember. I hope you remember, I remember that. I remember that meeting like it was yesterday, and that was no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about oh. the walk off homer. Yeah, the walk-off homer was cool. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, it was Mariano. Awesome. The meeting. Who, Mariano? Yes. The, yeah, the meeting topped it. Like that's that meeting was epic. And yes, I'm glad I was able to kind of end the night on a good note. But I remember that meeting being that was that was something I'll never ever forget. Obviously, I won't forget hitting a walk-off against Mariano either because he was the greatest of all time. Um, but you made yes. you made it double. And I don't think many have done that. Moment. No, not too many. Hey, Vern, you might have actually saved my job too. JP ended up uh he got DFA'd or he got traded to the Giants. He if you if you don't hit that home I might have been the one that was DFA'd then. <laughs> no, it, was, it was always gonna anyway. be just a matter of time for whoever was managing our team because somebody's head was gonna be on a block. It didn't matter. That was just the way it was. I, I mean <laughs> they acted like they honestly they acted like they stacked our teams and we should have been winning when the, the Yankees and the Red Sox were spending an exorbitant amount of money and they were replacing guys that were hurt with guys that would be starting on other teams. So, and we get guys hurt. We didn't have anybody to replace them. So like we had to be perfect. Right. And it was not possible. And well, you know what though, too, I mean, we didn't have enough depth in our pitching, you no. know, I mean, you know, we, we had, we had, some, we had some good offenses. There's no doubt about it. And, and we just, but we didn't have enough pitching to, you know, top to bottom to carry you through. You know, hey guys. that was back, you know, before the old, uh, you there? Mm-hmm. You say, hey, guy. Before the, you know, when, before all the extra wild cards and all that stuff, too, you know, and the Yankees and the Red Sox. Yeah, it's, it, uh, but we had, I mean, we had some good teams. We had some fun, but you're right. Everybody throws up that optimism, right? Hey, we're yeah. going to win it this year and all that. But in reality, you know, that wasn't going to happen. Hey, I want to go back for a second because you brought something up about that meeting. Why don't you walk us through that meeting? What was that, you know, give us a little bit of an insider viewpoint of what happened in that meeting. You want to do this? You want to do this or me? Or can you? I don't know. Are we going too inside? I mean, I, I mean, you brought something up, which I think a lot of people really would like to know now. I forgot it. See, people would sometimes people go through trauma, they forget things. Yeah, I forget things. Got it. Yeah. Shea, let's, let's put or is it a no way. comment Shea, on that? No, Shay had it coming. Like, that was the thing. It's like Shay and Helen Brandon and I, we were, we were fine. Like, we would, 
we'd go to dinner, go to lunch with groups, and you just knew Shay was different. Like there was something off with Shay. He would say stuff that no one else in the world would ever even think about saying to people, and he would somehow get away with it. And I remember the first time he wrote it on the board, wrote this on the board was when we were in Colorado, and he wrote, ship is sinking. And we're like, you need to take that down. Like, erase it, take it down. Not cool. And he didn't. He's like, whatever. And Gibby somewhat addressed it. Um, and was he didn't he didn't really unleash at that time. Just kind of just mentioned it. Okay, let's move on. Then he decided to do it again. And when he did it the second time, all hell broke loose. And it was the meeting of meetings. And and Shade deserved it. He he asked. He was asking for it. I don't think he ever thought he'd get called out on it, and he did. And that was that was what Gibby was about: is holding holding guys accountable. Like it's either you're, either you're with us or you're against us. If you're if you're against us, then so you got to go. Yeah, I won't say. Bert, exactly I appreciate what Gibby you. Said. I won't, yeah, I, w- I won't say exactly what Gibby said because <laughs> leave that for the book. <laughs> yeah, leave that for the book. That cannot be repeated. What was said in that meeting. Hey, Vern, don't let these things fool you now. There's still something there, brother. <laughs> oh, I think he saw it. I think he saw it, and he respected oh, it. Oh, no, man. That's the old football. See, I actually played some high school football, too, now. I didn't like you did. You know, uh, but, you know, I had I got a little bit of that in Texas, just like you. You know, you guys realize, I don't know if everybody, Vern, Vern was a stud quarterback. He was going to go and play at the University of Texas. Before you know the the Blue Jays lured him lured him away, and I said the other day on that that clip, that's when Texas was good too. You know, it's like now it it's like, gosh, yeah. God, what are we doing now? Do you ever have any regrets? Do you ever do you, do you miss, ever miss football? And I know your dad played, and yeah. do you ever uh, obviously baseball was turned out to be a tremendous career for you, but do you ever look back and go, gosh, I wish I had done some of that? I missed it bad for two years. Like once I was uh, two years after high school, I missed it. Um, there's no other sport yeah. where, you, where you have that feeling. Like it's, it, it's a different team. It's a different type of team sport that you just can't mimic anywhere else. And I, I love it. Um, I actually coached it for the last six, seven years, and it's, it's a blast. I love football. Yeah. Well, your son's pretty doggone good. He's, he's pretty good. He's, uh, he's, he's got some ability, and he's got just enough turd in him to be, to be pretty good. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what, we'll see what happens. This football recruiting, this college recruiting football stuff is absolutely nuts. Like it's baseball. I get the challenges that we have, but the football is a whole nother level because if you're not a certain size, you run a certain number, certain things, like you won't even be on some people's boards. Like it just, it doesn't matter how good you are at football. It's just measurements, measurements, measurements. So he's, uh, so he's got like baseball then in that sense. Well, that's what mom yeah, wants him you know, to play hey, baseball. Yeah, mom wants him to play. He's like, nah, it's too boring. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna tell you, you got a wonderful family, man. You know, you know what? Uh, you guys are a tight knit group, and you know you're a great leader of your family. And and, uh, and I'm gonna tell you, your mom and dad did a tremendous job too. Hey, you know what? To, for you to turn out the way you did, and the, the example you set, and the, the way you carry yourself in the class, and the and, uh, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's nice to see. Cause you know, I mean, that's, it's, it's not everybody's like that, you know? Yeah. I appreciate that, but and you're not, throwing, you're not throwing guys in headlocks. 
No, no. I, I felt like it a couple times. <laughs> there's no doubt about it. There's, there's, there was two that we had over our time together that are, I wouldn't have mind throwing in a headlock, but only two. So that's pretty good after all those years of playing baseball. <laughs> That's because everybody, everybody, everybody liked you, man. Everybody, you're easy to get along with, Berg. Yeah, I got, I, I got uh, one uh, just based on the season that ended for the Blue Jays, which was really sad at the end, obviously, and that uh, that little seeing eye bloop that dropped in uh, between uh, uh, Springer and Bichette. Did you see that play? And I mean, I was there as for a it. center fielder. I mean. You know, talk us through. That's right. You threw out you you threw out the first pitch, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I did, and it kind of goes back to some of the analytical things we were talking about before Gibby when talking about playing deep. Um, you got to know your hitters. Um, the guy who's yeah. hitting lefty, not much pop. Like if he runs into something, it's rare. Um, he's more likely going to beat you in front. But they're Springer's playing deep. Bo's Bo's an athlete. He wants to go get the baseball. Um, when you have situation when you know the ball has to get caught there and you have two guys that are ultra aggressive, that's what's going to happen. Um, and thankfully no one was seriously injured, but just throughout that game, you could just start to kind of feel the tide turning. And when it turned, it was over with. And then it was obviously that's baseball. You, you make one mistake and you have a team that's, that's rolling they will make you pay, and they did. Yeah, no, no you're right. But hey, I, I'm going to go back to your defensive play, right? I don't. Nobody's ever gone back on a ball better, easier than you did. That's why you were able, like you talk about. Yeah, that's instinct. If this guy doesn't have, he's he, he probably not going to burn you deep. Right. Maybe they go into no doubles. You know, I don't know. But just, just you as a center fielder, Gold Glover. You know, not because you're on the show, but I, I might, I got to believe you're, you might be sitting there going, think that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> game over. Game over. Sorry. I, I got to say that, you know, but. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yes. You know, we actually had, I was having that conversation when we we're watching the game, like as it was taking place. And yeah, I mean, it's nothing against George. It's nothing, nothing against Bo. It's just the, the way I would have approached the situation would have been different. Like there wouldn't, there wouldn't have been a card that needed to tell me where to play in a situation like that. Like I know who's on the mound. I know who's at the plate. Um, I have a pretty good idea of he's not going to hit anything over my head. And if he does, yeah, like you said, I, I, I had the ability to go back on balls really well and track them very well. So it allowed me to play a little bit more shallow on things. So yeah, I, if I were out there, well, if I were out there today, well, there wouldn't have been a there wouldn't have been even a collision because I wouldn't have been anywhere close to it. But back in the day, yes, I would have caught that ball. Well, you, well, I'm telling you, infielders knew you were going to get the things. I mean, so they 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 were going to they're going to pull up short anyway because they know Vern's going to be there, right? Well, Vern, I want to thank you very much for your time today on the Gabin with Gibby segment. It's been a pleasure. It was wonderful to meet you. Good, yeah, I appreciate it. Good meeting you and Gibby. Always good catching up, man. It's been a while and. Uh, nothing but nothing but luck and success in this in this podcast journey. Hey Vern, man, I can't thank you enough, pal. I'm proud of you. I uh, I admire you for who you are and what you've done and what you continue to do. And and uh, you have a wonderful family. You're doing everything right. And uh, give everybody our best. All righty, you do that for us. Do that, man. I'll do that, man. Uh, and steer your hey, steer your son right to the right right college football program now. 
right. Yeah, we'll figure that out, hopefully. He'll be doing Remember, it somewhere and making plays on a Saturday. Are you going to be like his agent? You can't get you can't you can't be his agent too soon now in football, can you? I don't know. You gotta, I don't know. You know, just as long as you just uh, <laughs> kind of stay in within the rules, I guess. Yes. Rules? There's no rules in football. <laughs> <laughs> All right, pal. Thanks for coming on. All right, thank, thank you. Gibby. See you, buddy. Another. Uh... Gabin with Gibby, another one, John. You, you came through again with Vernon Wells. Great interview. Uh, but now it's time for our next Ask Gibby segment. Uh, time to ask John a couple of questions brought to you by Budweiser. If we select your question and use it here on this podcast, you will receive a gift package from Budweiser because that's what buds Bud do. do. There we go. We, John, we got a couple of interesting <laughs> questions for you here today. The first one... Uh, comes from a uh, gentleman named Adam Malochi. Sounds like an Italiano. Adam from Quebec City. Ugh. And it's, and it says, how long did you chew? Do you still chew in secret? And are you happy you quit <laughs> from what I can tell? What do you think of players in the league still allowing players and coaches to chew? Thanks, Adam, Quebec City. Well, hopefully Adam doesn't chew, man. That's a, you know, it, uh, you know, I chewed for, and I'm not proud to say this, but for about 20 years, right? You know, I grew up in in, in Texas, and it you know it was kind of common guys chewing tobacco snuff, you know, whether they're going out hunting or working or whatever they're doing, right? Just kind of, I mean, it's, it's more prevalent. I mean, a lot of these areas, and um, so that's kind of where I first got started. And then I got into pro ball. And it's like everybody was doing it, right? And it's a, it's a terrible habit. But my mother was a dental hygienist. And she would, she would, she would get, I don't know, every day she'd get on me, especially when I, when I started, uh, you know, I got to Toronto and I was managing and she, so I was on TV a lot. She'd, 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 oh, she'd, she'd wear me out, you know? And then she'd tell me stories of, well, my friend, I saw your, your friend came in and got his teeth cleaned. I cleaned his teeth today and he had precancerous lesions and I'm going, oh God. So, so anyway, so I, I was hearing that. Finally, I got smart enough and I, and I quit, but I, I took Nick, I started chewing Nicorette gum and then Major League Baseball started supplying Nicorette gum to anybody that, you know, on these teams, you know, that wanted to quit, which was a wonderful thing. And it, it helped me, it helped me get off it, but it, it's a terrible habit, nasty habit, but it's, 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 it's tough to, it's tough to kick. And I'm, uh, uh, you know, I got these pearly whites right now. I didn't want to ruin them, you know. Yeah, you got nice teeth. Get, there, John. <laughs> oh, yeah. Too bad they're not real. you <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Great question. Thanks, Adam. Uh, we have another one that came in, and this was on Twitter. And this is from Brad Pattison. And his question to ask Gibby is, when you managed, was there one umpire in particular that you knew you were going to have a problem with before the game even started? Oh, gosh. Well, yeah, you know, you'd always get the list before the series of who the umpire and crew was, right? And I got to say, I'm going to give you two. And it doesn't mean I didn't like these guys, but I knew there was going to be problems, whether it was from, from me or the guys on our team, because, you know, they, they had the reputation either – or people didn't think they're very good, or they could be confrontational. They have no, they they wouldn't give you a little leeway or a little, little you know, a little chance to. Even the great players, right? People, the game's all about great players. So if a great player wants to jaw with you a little bit or complain, 
umpires, the good ones are smart enough to let give them a little bit. You know, this this is a show, and these guys would always fight against that. You know, and they were real mm-hmm. very paranoid. But I gotta say, it's gotta be Angel Hernandez, and I liked Angel. That's the thing. I mean, I, I got along with him good, but there was always something going on. You know, with the, and you can see it's kind of carried over. And then CB Buckner was another one that. I don't think he really cared for me, you know, you know, and he probably, he was justified in that probably because in our, in our teams, we, we complained a lot and uh, there's, there's no doubt about it. Sometimes, most of the time it was justified. A lot of times it wasn't necessarily, but when you get a reputation like we did as a team that we could whine a little bit, but you get a reputation as an umpire that you're not very good or that you, 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 you know, you're looking for trouble yourself. That's what happened. So it was kind of like a mixture. I don't know. You, know, you had kind of a volatile personality with the 52 ejections or whatever you had. I mean, it was like, is that it? I, I would advise everybody out there, if you haven't gone to YouTube and checked out all of your ejections, they're there in one place, in one long video. It's hilarious. It really oh, is. Oh, you know, you know what's bad, though? You know, you're passionate. Yeah, passing either that or the teams were so bad. I didn't want to sit out there and watch nine innings of it. I got to, <laughs> I got to head in there about five innings in. You know, or they go in the back like, and have a bud. I'm thinking, I look up at the stands every now and then. And go, these people paid all this money to watch this crap. <laughs> so I'm getting. <laughs> Great question. Sometimes you got to be honest. You gotta exactly. Be honest I mean, sometimes. you are my friend. You are. Uh, that was great. Um, another uh, Ask Gibby uh, segment that's sponsored by Budweiser. Uh, so if you want to ask Gibby a question and have a chance to receive that Budweiser gift pack, just send your questions to us at askgibbyshow at gmail.com or use the hashtag AskGibby. Well, John, that's going to wrap up another one here. So we had another uh, great show, lots of things going on. We'll be continuing to follow what's going on in the free agent marketplace, trades, baseball winter meetings coming up. So uh, we've enjoyed it. Another great show. Yeah, Johnny, I, I really enjoyed that. And, uh, yeah, it's a big time of year. You know, this is where the general managers make their hay, I think, you know, and, and get the reputations, what they do during the offseason, you know, to identify what they need. You know, some guys obviously are better – at uh, making trades and working the phones and they have better relationships or whatever, or they just think there's better baseball minds. They make, they make the deals and put them over the top. They all can't do that. You know, it's like, you know, any position in the game, you know, there's some guys that are better than others. And, um, but this is where GMs make their hay. I think. That is very true. And uh, you get, uh, you know, you get the, uh, the straight scoop from John, his opinions, his, uh, his knowledge as an insider. And so it'll be really exciting for us to be able to week after week now continue to follow this free agent journey, the baseball trades, the winter meetings and everything uh, that surrounds the Toronto Blue Jays and their quest to make themselves better for next year. So for John Gibbons, my name is John Arezzi. Have a great week, everybody.